You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. If you're looking for some encouragement, words of hope, and maybe a laugh or two, that's exactly what Richard wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always pick it back up at our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, you can find all of Richard's talks right there waiting just for you, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is The X in Xmas. And I'd like you to turn to Luke chapter 1. And we're going to start there, and we may read a ton of scripture today. You might see bumper stickers along the way. People say, you know, we need to put Christ back in Christmas. You know, what's this X must about? And again, if you just do a little bit of research, you find out that sometimes things you're against, you really shouldn't be against because there's nothing to be against. And I'm going to read you a little bit of a little article written by a man by the name of R.C. Sproul. I'll jump in the middle of his article. He says, first of all, you have to understand that it's not the letter X that is put into Christmas. We see the English letter X there, but actually what it involves is the first letter of the Greek name for Christ. Christos is the New Testament Greek for Christ. The first letter of the Greek word Christos is translated into our alphabet as an X. The X has come through church history to be shorthand symbol for the name of Christ. So when someone put an Xmas there, there's no intention to X out Jesus. It's just a shorthand So even the X in Xmas is about Jesus and was always intended to be. So let's dispel the Xmas myth all along and use that. Even when you see that, explain to people, say, look, it looks like they're trying to take Christ out of Christmas. Let me tell you something about Christmas. You cannot take Christ out of Christmas or all you get is mass. Now I'd like to jump in here in Luke chapter 1 and talk a little bit about an X factor I looked up the definition for an X factor, and here's what it means. A variable in a given situation that could have the most significant impact on the outcome can also mean a noteworthy special talent or quality. Now, I'm going to say this early, then we'll jump in here and maybe say it again at the end. If you are a Christian, you have the X factor. You have the Christ factor. And the enemy doesn't want you to know that. Maybe no one's explained that to you. You cannot go around saying, for instance, well, I'm only human. If you are a Christian, it is impossible to be only human. You cannot claim that anymore. Because when Christ moves into your life, if any man be in Christ, and if Christ be in any man, then he is a new creation. Old things are passed away, all things are new. So you can't use that excuse anymore that I'm only human and that's why I did it. It's part of the explanation, but you have an option not to do some of the things that you're doing and that I'm doing because of that X factor. He is the X factor. And back to that definition, a variable in a given situation that could have the most significant impact on the outcome, and that is him. Now, I'm gonna read through this story in Luke chapter one. We won't do all of it, and we'll do one and two, and just follow along here, and I'm gonna jump through some of it. You can go back and read that on your own. We'll jump down into verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, 
His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and in ordinances of the Lord, blameless. So these were really great people, godly people. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So she's barren, and beyond barren, they're old, and it's just, it's not happening. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. Now, how many people get to know this before a pregnancy test? You know, not only is she barren and you have many kids, now I'm telling you you're going to have a baby and it's going to be a boy and you know you don't have to sit around arguing about names. Because you're going to name him John. So you got the sex and the name. That's a ton of the battle out of the way. You shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit. Even from his mother's womb. Which you don't hear about this in scripture. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I mean, what a, you know, you're going to have a kid. That's a miraculous thing anyway with a barren wife. But now it's going to, you're going to have a boy. His name's going to be John and all this. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, and you don't get this till here, it's just an angel. And Zacharias, you'll see in a minute, I'm going to read a question that Mary asked. And Zacharias is an old man, and he asked a question and gets a completely different response out of the same angel. And finally, the angel says, the dude is implied, dude, I'm Gabriel. Like you're seeing an angel, and you're not just seeing any old angel, I'm Gabriel. I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. It doesn't get any bigger than this unless Jesus himself shows up and tells you this, which, by the way, in about six months, he's about to show up, at least in terms of a pregnancy. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day of these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. So just like that, he says to Zacharias, you know what? You should have believed. You know better. So he's mute because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. So it was as soon as the days of his service were completed that he departed to his own house. Now after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked upon me to take away my reproach among people. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. I mean, what kind of greeting is that? 
But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. You're going to have a boy. And I've got, you know, a name for you too. Sex and name, big deal. You will call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, you say, well, what's her consequence gonna be? She's asking questions too. How can this be since I do not know a man? You gotta help me here. How am I gonna have a baby when I know that I'm a virgin and yet I've never known a man. And he simply answers the question. The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Why is he called the Son of God throughout the scriptures? Because he is the Son of God. That's who he is. I love that this story is impossible because it weeds out the skeptics and the people who really, really don't get it. And honestly, you can't get it unless God helps you get it in the first place. So don't be trying to talk people into trusting Christ. Don't be trying to talk people into believing the story. Just tell the stories and let the Holy Spirit do his work because they're not gonna believe it because you told it fancy anyway. It's crazy. He gives you the faith. You act on that, you respond with that faith and say, Lord, I can't explain this. I don't even get it 100%. I can't even believe I'm doing this maybe. I think this is it. I believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God, and I need you, and I'm asking you to save me. That's how simple this is. You say, but it's crazy stuff. Keep reading. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, that holy one who is to be born will be called the son of God. Now indeed, and interesting how he encourages her. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. It's a tough thing as a woman to be called barren. So the angel now says, and he knows firsthand about this story, and knows that Elizabeth is pregnant and it's six months pregnant for with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And that little verse you should underline in your Bible if you're comfortable, verse 38. That's the response he's looking for. Maybe you ask a question, maybe you ask a question and you get a consequence because you didn't believe in Zacharias' case, but she asked simple questions. She heard what the angel said, let it be to me according to your word. When you open your Bible before you read it and after you read it, just if you don't know what to pray, pray that. Say, Lord, let this be unto me according to your word. Whatever it is you're asking me to do. So what is it that God is asking you to do, telling you to do, instructed you? You say, oh, that's a long time ago. Well, why don't we kind of get some long time ago back up to date and pick up where we left off and say, okay, I've shoved this away, pushed this away, said no to you all these years. Now today I'm saying, be it unto me according to your word. I'm in, I'm back. And pick up where you left off, obey. Amen. Well, I got things to do. If you got something to do other than what God has for you to do, you're wasting your time. And really, it's not your time you're wasting. It's his time you're wasting. Because you are bought with a price. You belong to him. Keep reading. 
Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste in a hurry to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. She wants to go see Elizabeth because she's had an experience with the same angel and has got to go hear what happened to her. Find people who know God and are talking to God and having experiences with God and just exchange stories. You'd be amazed what he's up to and how many people are being moved in the same direction. Makes haste, goes there, greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, so the words come out of, you know, hello, Elizabeth, whatever she said, that the babe leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So John, six months pregnant, in Elizabeth's womb, when Mary speaks to Elizabeth, John inside Elizabeth's womb leaps, jumps. Now, if you've ever been pregnant, most of it's just women, if you've ever been pregnant and a baby jumps, leaps inside of you, you know that's happened. Because they hit something jumping, right? You know, leaps inside of her and then something else happens. What else happens? And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? If you are, you know it. And if you're full of the Holy Spirit, sooner or later you overflow with the Holy Spirit and other people around you know it. Now, if your levels feel a little low, you might get you a filling station somewhere, climb in a closet and say, you know what? Something's not right. You say, well, what does that even mean? When you become a Christian, the Spirit of God moves into your body, into your life. Do you have any interest in him filling your life? And let me tell you just briefly what filling something means. It means it fills wherever it is, which means there's nothing else but it. If you fill a bottle of water with water, there's only water in that bottle because it's full of water. Part of the reason sometimes we don't feel full is we got other stuff that we're not interested in letting go in order that we can be filled. And by the way, these are very personal, very simple exchanges. It's a little girl walking into Elizabeth's house saying words, stuff happening, and we get to read about that. This isn't some big ceremony with bands and noise and everything. This is just people doing stuff. You know, one pregnant, two pregnant girls, and stuff's going on. This is life. This is how he set it up. It's everyday exchanges. Simple stuff, everyday life. So you say, well, I want God to do something spectacular. If you're a Christian, he already has. He saved you. You'll live forever. You can live abundantly now. What else could you want? Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, blessed are you among women. This is Elizabeth kind of blurting out here to Mary. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? So Elizabeth already understands that the mother of her Lord, who is her Lord? God himself. The mother of my Lord should come to me. So Elizabeth knows that Mary is carrying the world should know that we as Christians are carrying. You cannot be a Christian and not be carrying Christ. When's the last time Jesus leapt inside of you? Moves you. The other day, Rebecca and I, long story how this went down, but we were in Vegas for the day. I was not gambling church money. It was another reason for being there. And I had done some research before to go to the hotel we were supposed to go to for this event. 
And I'd found out that for eight bucks, I could get a shuttle. They didn't have a car that picked you up. So it was a shuttle and it was either gate nine or 52. So we went to nine and we walk out the door and there was five or six of us, five of us. And we figured out that to get in the shuttle was about the same as to get in this presidential limo, suburban looking thing. And so we looked at each other and said, we'll get in, in this car. So we get in the car and my buddy in the back blurts out to the driver, hey, have you done anything with Jesus yet in your life? I'm like, dude, don't be throwing hand grenades. I'm up here in the front. I'm sitting in the front seat. So he pulls the pin and releases <laughs> and then gets real quiet and like, okay, what are you going to do? So this conversation ensues with this Tom, this limo driver, and it turns out he was raised in church, doesn't believe anything anymore, 20 years in recovery, and then he mentioned a friend. He says, I have a friend who calls me every day and talks to me about this. And I said, Tom, this is not going to make a lot of sense to you maybe, but you have no idea who just got in your car. And I believe that God loves you and cares about you and might have sent me to Vegas for you today and to make sure you knew that he cares about you and went through the gospel and told him Jesus died for him, was buried and raised from the dead, and he listened. It was not an awkward conversation except for the grenade. It was good after that. <laughs> and he listened, he listened, he got out of the car. He didn't become a Christian. And I said to him before I walked off, I shook his hand and I gave him a hug, told him I loved him. He said, dude, you're nuts. No, somebody that lives in me is nuts. And you'd be amazed who Jesus would love on if you'd get the heck out of the way. Then he could be himself in yourself if you get yourself out of the way. And I said, will you at least do me a favor? Will you call your buddy when you get back in the car and tell him what happened in your car today? And he said, I will. Now, I may never see Tom again, and you say, well, but the end of the story should be he became a Christian. No, the end of the story should be I obeyed. I don't save anybody. You don't save anybody. Be where you're supposed to be. Plant a seed. Water it. Maybe you're there when it's harvested. Be there. Let him do in and through you what he wants to do. See, you had no idea all this was in Luke. I didn't either, really. <laughs> Verse 45, blessed is she who believed. I think that is so cool. What could happen to us if we just believed? God says, here's the deal. And we say, God, I wish I could believe that. Just too good to be true. I'll pass. And then one time you go, wow, that's right there in the book. Maybe that's for me. And then blessed are you because you what? You believed. Blessed are you who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which are told you from the Lord. That's extraordinary stuff. When there is belief, there tends to be fulfillment because that's how he works. So believe. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God, my savior, for he has regarded the lowest state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth, all generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. 
And then the story here unfolds about John the Baptist being born. And the second he's born, they ask Zacharias, what's his name going to be? They thought the name was going to be Zacharias Jr. You know, that's kind of what normally happened. And he motioned and said, no, wrote down what? John. And bam, he could speak again. And then down in verse 66, all those who heard them kept them in their hearts saying, what kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. And then Zacharias takes off in a little speech of his own. And look what he says. Now his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied saying, blessed is the Lord God of Israel for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets which have been since the world began that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life and you child and who is he talking about to his little boy John will be called the prophet of the highest for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God with which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. So the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the desert till the day of the manifestation to Israel. And then Luke chapter two. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census first took place when Quirinius was governing Syria, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And if you read on, angels show up and tell the shepherds and they come and worship and all heaven breaks loose. We'll get back to Richard in a moment to close out today's talk. But first, I want to share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to take the planet. So it's our prayer that these daily talks from Richard aren't something you only hear and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. Together, we can do this. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's such a priority to us. So join us in this important mission. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD to say you're in. Or you can get on board with us through our website, richardellistalks.com. Well, here's Richard with some closing thoughts for us. You, if you are a Christian, have the X factor. And the X of Xmas is him. And if you do not have the X factor, it's never going to make sense. There's no place you're going to go. There's no amount of money you're going to accumulate. There's no number of trophy wives you're going to marry. There's no promotion. There's no possession. There's no nothing that will fix what's wrong. And today, whether you're in this room or beyond, today... If you hear his voice, you say, what are you talking about? If you hear it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because when you hear his voice, you know it's him. 
You say, okay, well, I do hear his voice. I hear someone calling my name. I hear someone pulling me toward him. Trust me, when the gospel is presented, the devil is not drawing you toward heaven. Sometimes there's another voice saying, you don't need this. Go the other way. Run. They're trying to get you all confused and get you religious. I have no interest in making you religious. I have an interest in offering you eternal life, abundant life, the forgiveness of your sins, the most amazing existence you've ever known. Not without suffering, but what the world doesn't understand is how we survive tragedy and still have joy. And that is impossible. And that's when they start paying attention and say, you've been through all of this stuff and yet you still thank God and praise God and trust God and have joy and peace and the manifestation of something that should not be possible. And then you're able to give a reason for the hope that is within you to all those who ask. And then they say, I need some of that because my life sucks too. Because I've gone places and I get there and I'm still there. And I've got things that I've done that I carry. I have shame, I have guilt, I have fear, I have all the stuff that's just destroying my life. Somebody's got to help me. And that somebody's sweet name is Jesus. Thanks for tuning in today to Richard Ellis Talks. With the busy schedule everyone has these days, it means the world to us that you would take this time to listen. Let us know how it has touched your heart by calling us at 855-6-RICHARD. You can also connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. One last thing, Richard Ellis Talks is a daily program, but also has daily costs. And being a listener-supported program means we rely on the financial partnership of our listeners, which means you. Maybe you've given to this ministry before or have waited for the right time. Well, we believe that these talks with Richard are making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. You can contribute by giving us a call at 855-6-RICHARD or at our website, richardellistalks.com. Thank you for your very generous gifts. It truly means so much to us. God bless and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.